Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have the pleasure of re-welcoming Dan Hinneman. He's a member of the Mayo Clinic Social and Digital Innovation Team. He's a community director there, and he also is principal of Hive Strategies, a consulting firm that provides expert advice for Facebook patient communities. Dan's a popular speaker and presenter at healthcare marketing conferences, and today we're going to spend some time diving into his work at Hive Strategies, better understanding Facebook patient communities, things of concern, the opportunity behind them, as well as a lot of his thoughts and experience around this topic. So it's a true pleasure to have Dan back on the podcast. And with that, I want to give you a warm welcome. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thank you, Saul. I really appreciate the invitation to come back and it's great to talk to you today. Absolutely. So, so Dan, I think, you know, last time you gave us a little bit about what got you into the health sector, but if for the folks that haven't listened, what got you into healthcare? Yeah, actually, I've been involved in advertising, marketing, public relations and design for all my career, pretty much for the last 30 years here in Oregon. And from the very beginning, I had a real interest in healthcare. I guess the reasons for that are, first of all, that I think the healthcare industry does a tremendous amount of good. And I've always liked to align myself with people doing good things. And then also the opportunity to build awareness and, and educate through this work has really been a powerful motivation for me. Yeah, that's really powerful. And, and there is a lot of ways that people could make an impact in healthcare, regardless of their skill set. So, you know, the, the thing that I always tell people, Dan, is it doesn't matter what you're great at. There's an opportunity within healthcare. It's not just a vertical. It's a $3.4 trillion industry where we get to do good. And so you're highly focused on patient communities. I'd love to hear from you. What is a hot topic within these communities? Are these communities for the people that haven't heard about them or know about them? So take us down that path. Yeah, let me just share with you kind of a personal story, Saul, about what brought me to this. Because over these years, these 30 years in healthcare, I've focused mainly on the traditional kinds of things, advertising, public relations, news releases, brochures, websites, etc. About 10 years ago, I got really interested in social media and healthcare. And then I particularly pivoted to this idea of helping hospitals and clinics develop successful support groups for patients. And this has become very personal for me because um, 
My first daughter was born in the 70s. She seemed perfect when she was born, but within a couple of weeks, we discovered that she had actually a, a birth defect. She, we went to the hospital for a consult about it, wondering what was going on with her life, and one day found ourselves sitting in a room with a doctor saying, your daughter has no bile duct. She's gonna die. She's gonna die. We can do a surgery that will extend her life for maybe 18 months or so, but that's the best we can we can offer you. And so what you need to do today is make a decision about whether you want to take her home and take care of her, or whether you want to have this surgery that could mm. prolong her life, but put her through some, some difficulties. And so there my wife and I are sitting in a room alone in a hospital with a doctor, mm. making the most painful and difficult decision of our lives. Mm without anybody to ask, <laughs> no, uh, you know, internet to go on and say, wow, what, what are all the details about this? No parents to, who have been through this before to check in with. And so there we were, we made the decision to take her home and take care of her. And she lived just four months. And, and so that was, you know, the really, a, of course, mm. an incredibly painful time in my life. And, yeah. and when I realized about five, six years ago, that I could be engaged in a way to help help people going through similar situations today, the advent of the internet and the opportunity to connect with other parents who are going through the very same things, that just really drove me to get involved with this. And so the heart of these communities is just exactly this. It's the opportunity to set up a group where people who are going through similar health challenges, whether it be some of the most popular are for cancer patients, whether they have a rare disease, whether they have children with rare diseases, whether they're caregivers for Alzheimer's spouses or parents, whether, whether they're new moms, wherever people are going through challenging and difficult and sometimes extremely painful healthcare experiences, hospitals and clinics and organizations have an opportunity to bring them together into a community where they can give each other the support, the care, the insights, the empathy <laughs> that can help them get through these tough times. And, and so there are hundreds and hundreds of these that have been created on a whole bunch of different platforms. And, you know, in order to bring people together to provide that support and caring and uh, I've just selected Facebook because it's where lots and lots of people are already. And mm -hmm. so Facebook groups can help them to um, connect in a way that they're very comfortable and aware of in the first place. Well, Dan, thanks for sharing that, that very personal story and the big why behind why you're doing what you're doing is definitely um, a strong reason and a valuable reason to do this. I mean, just the other day, I, I was having a conversation with a friend's mom who's about to have back surgery. And it's hard, even with uh, an elective procedure like that, to know what to expect. You're told by your doctor, hey, you got to decide right now. Do you want me to do this or not? And when these decisions are introduced to, to people, it's hard to decide. And, and then you, you feel lost and you don't know what to do. And so I think these communities that, that you're alluding to, Dan, are providing a big help. So what are some examples of, of communities you've been involved with? And then also tell us about some of the things that, that are opportunities, but also watchouts. 
Yeah, so um, my main role with Mayo Clinic is managing a, a community there that actually is healthcare marketers and communicators and, and learning more about social media. And so that's where I picked up most of my community management skills. And then uh, the other kinds of communities that we've been engaged in have to do with new moms and rare disease and, and cancer and et cetera. And so the thing that I want to emphasize a lot, Saul, here is there really is it really is a right way and a wrong way to develop a patient support community. And it's not extremely complicated to learn the difference, but some people think, oh, all we have to do is go onto Facebook, set up a group, and invite a bunch of people to join, and then we'll have a great support group. But actually, there are some very specific skill sets that are essential and a process to go through to make to help those communities really, really be successful. And, and so um, I wonder if I could share just some of those with you. Please, that would be great. So it's really important that you start the community ride. And by say start that community ride, I, I refer to the idea that every successful patient support group really does solve a problem. It needs to solve a problem for your patients, and it needs to solve a problem for your clinic or hospital. So there's some research that really is involved, first of all. You might think your patients would really gravitate towards the group that you create, but it could also be that they're already getting those support needs met someplace else. So the first step really is to pull some of your patients that you think would really benefit from the community. Let's take, for instance, maybe you run a a surgical weight loss practice where patients, this is a really a perfect example of where a support group can come in really valuable because typically before surgery, patients spend several months learning more about it and going through a process to lose weight already and do various things. Then they have the surgery, they have these lifestyle changes, they need support through a long process. And you might say, wow, our patients really could benefit from this, but maybe they're already involved in another surgical weight loss community that might be a national one or someone else, someplace else where they're already getting those needs met. So it's important to find out from the patients, is this something that you would really want to be involved with and engaged with? And then you want to pick a, a service that matches with your objectives as a clinic or hospital in terms of what service lines do you want to build. So that gets your internal support. If you don't have the internal stakeholders aligned with your community, you'll find sooner or later that the support goes away and you don't have the opportunity to do the very best you can with the community. So those two things are, are really important. Do patients really care about it enough to want to participate? And secondly, is it going to support objectives within your organization? Some great call-outs there, Dan. And for the folks listening, looking to provide these types of community, I think these are some great tips. Dan, you also had uh, an informational uh, PDF that you wanted to share with folks, right? Yeah, and really that's the next big step in this is deciding uh, really learning about how to manage and grow your community in the right way. So one of the really essential things is to pick a community manager, somebody who really has the right mindset for management. So let me just kind of point out that there's a big difference between hosting a Facebook page. And in most cases, Facebook pages are just used to kind of educate people about what's going on in your organization with various announcements and photos. But a community is a whole different mindset. You don't want to give them information. You want them to share information with each other. 
And so it's really essential that you um, pick the right person to manage that community, that they have the right mindset. And so I put together a, a little PDF called Five Essential Mindsets for a Successful Community Manager. It's a guide that helps you select maybe the right person to manage. And this doesn't need to be a full-time person. Most clinics or hospitals, somebody spends maybe an hour a day managing the community. But you can get that if you'd like by emailing me at dan at hivestrategies.com. And uh, then I'll be happy to send that out to you. Outstanding, folks. So if you go to outcomesrocket.health and you look up Dan Hinman, that's H-I-N-M-O-N, You'll be able to just click on his email there and uh, request that PDF. It's a really great one. Or just email him directly at dan at hivestrategies.com. Thanks so much for offering that up to the community, Dan. Really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and there are a couple of other tips about managing a community I might share here. And, and one is avoid the temptation to want to do a big splash to start your community up, inviting hundreds of people to participate from the beginning. Instead, you want to start small. You want to select 10 or 15 or 20 people that you invite into the community. You want to get the conversation started and going. And again, there's a specific strategy for that that people can find out more about on my website that we don't really have time today to go into. But the idea of starting small and start those conversations going so that when you invite more people in, they see there's already an active community. The, the thing that, that turns people off mostly is if they come to a community and nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. And then they never come back. They don't right. give you a second chance. But if you seed it with those initial 10 or 15 people, get conversations going, make sure that interesting things are happening, then you invite people in in sets of 20 or 30 or 50 more and grow it over time. And then when they come in, that activity is there and they can really see the value. Love it. Some great tips there, Dan, and different from what you would do if you're starting a business group, for sure. So great distinctions made here. Give us an example, Dan, of, of a community you've been involved with and uh, some of the positive outcomes that have resulted from it. Yeah, well, this is really satisfying <laughs> because, first of all, people are so grateful to find someone else going through the same thing they're going through. And so their reaction is, wow, I'm so grateful I found this group. This is so helpful for me to know what to expect in the next step of my journey. This is where I come to get the emotional support that I need when I'm the most discouraged and frustrated and worried. They love that this is a 24-7 opportunity. If you have a a sizable group, then they can go on at two in the morning when they're most worried and alone and find other people who are out there listening and willing to participate. So that's the patient satisfaction is, is really remarkable. But the other thing that happens is because they find the community so incredibly useful to them in their lives is they gain enormous loyalty to the organization that's sponsoring so the hospital or the clinic that's sponsoring this, they feel such a connection and so grateful for it that actually this develops into a return on investment for the organization. Sometimes people say, oh, we don't want to put our resources there because how does it really benefit our bottom line? Yeah. The way it benefits the bottom line is in this increase in incredible loyalty where then they want to come. And, and as you've built this relationship, you have an opportunity to offer and invite additional services to the group. And then they may 
uh, be interested, but then also they refer. And so that's the other thing that continues to happen is, is that people become more loyal to your organization. They're more, more likely to refer others to the work that you do because they're so grateful for the experience they've had. Such a great, great example there, Dan. And as we think about how we can better prepare ourselves, whether it be you know, hospital systems or clinics, for this consumerism that is happening in healthcare. We could address it, we could ignore it, but it's happening. <laughs> and so there's a lot of strategies to go after it. And, and I think the way that Dan is offering up here is, is one of those strategies you could do to help. And the ROI is, is there as well for those folks that need to see that. So what I wanna do now, Dan, is go through the mini syllabus that we construct here with all of our guests and it's going to be a lightning round. I'm going to ask you four questions related to Facebook patient communities, and uh, then we'll finish up with a couple fun questions and a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Ready. All right, here we go. What's the best way to build a Facebook patient community? Well, uh, right. So first of all, make sure your patients want it. Start small. Be genuine. Manage the community in a way that generates conversation, not you telling them what to do all the time. And I would also add, and visit hivestrategies.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Because there's your, there's your cheat sheet to get it done. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Don't be a know-it-all. The worst thing you can do in a community as you manage it is to feel like you have to answer every question. But no, you don't answer the questions unless you have to. What you want to get is the patients to talk to each other and answer each other's questions. How do you stay relevant despite all the change? Uh, listen, listen, listen to what your patients are telling you and what they need in these support groups. What's one area of focus that should drive every Facebook patient community? A genuine care about the patient's emotional and physical journey through their healthcare crisis. Outstanding, Dan. Some great tips there. These next two are more about you. What is your number one health habit? Oh, I'm trying to eat better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not always successful. I'm addicted to sugar. It's unbelievable. But I'm trying to cut back and, and eat better. Love it. And what is your number one success habit? Daily planning. Good stuff. Yeah. If you don't have a plan, you become part of someone else's, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What book would you recommend to the listeners? Well, so my all-time favorite really is Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, that I think is really amazing for anybody who's, you know, involved in building a, a practice or a business or even a thought leadership position. Right now, I'm reading a book called The Platform Revolution by Parker, Van Alstyne, and Chowdhury. And this just is all about how the really the disruptive the disruptive industries are all built around platforms that connect developers with users. If you look at Amazon, you look at Apple and their, their iPhone platform and et cetera, et cetera. And that's one that many, many of us within Mayo Clinic are, are reading right now because of to help prepare really for the future of healthcare. I think that's such an interesting uh, recommendation, Dan. Thank you for that. Listeners, you could get all of the resources we've discussed today. You know where to go. It's outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Dan Hinman. That's H-I-N-M-O-N. And you'll find the entire transcript for today's episode, his email, 
as well as his website to further dive into the Facebook patient communities and how they could benefit the patients you serve in your organization. And before we conclude, I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could stay in touch. Yeah, well, thank you, Saul. It's been, again, a pleasure to be on your podcast today. I very much appreciate it and, and the work that you're doing. A uh, closing thought really would be when you do what's best for your patients, especially in this world of developing a safe place for them to share with others the challenges on their health journeys, then it also ends up being the best for you. It's a win-win, it really is. And, and I'm afraid hospitals from time to time don't realize the value of that. So I just encourage people to, to think deeply about you know, the good that can come from, from benefiting patients in this way, as well as the health systems. And then what was your other question? That's oh, fine. Contact me. Yep. <laughs> was that it? Yeah, HiveStrategies.com yeah, is the website. And, and there's more information there. And I offer free initial consultation. So if people have questions, I'm happy to, to answer some of those directly as well. Outstanding, Dan. Thanks again for your time, folks. Take Dan up on his on his offer there to to connect and help you with your Facebook patient communities. It's definitely a resource that will help. And uh, again, one of the brightest minds working in this space. So, Dan, really appreciate you you spending time with us again. Thank you, Saul. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 